Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and I'd like to thank you for coming back today. You're about to hear 30 minutes of motivation, inspiration, a little bit of education, and never any manipulation. You know the drill. We don't have any hidden agendas. We're not trying to sell you anything. It's just about some accurate information and not any human speculation, accurate information, information that will help you verify and identify God's plan for your life. If you'd like to know that plan, if you have the courage to orient and adjust to the plan, you got the freedom and the privacy to do it. But the flat line is brought to you every Sunday here by the grace of God. As I said, no agendas, simply 30 minutes of information for you. And this information comes from the scriptures. It's right. It is a show about the Bible. No, no yelling though. No gimmicks, no games. Just, just clear, lucid information. They'll help you determine God's plan for your life. You know, if you haven't heard the show before, FLOT, F-L-O-T, FLOT line, FLOT stands for the forward line of troops. That's a military term. And we are using it in a biblical analogy, much like Paul did when Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 in the New Testament told believers to put on the armor of God, and he used a military analogy. Well, the flat line is a military analogy. What we're saying is that the forward line of troops is compared to you learning the 10 unique problem-solving devices taught in the Bible. If you learn those 10 unique problem-solving devices, they will act as a flat line, a forward line of troops, a main line of resistance. And what they will do is they will help you stop the outside source of adversity from becoming the inside source of stress. So you've heard me say it before, adversity is inevitable and stress is optional. Because adversity is what those circumstances you're facing are doing to you, and stress is what you do to yourself. So without going into all of the ten problem-solving devices, Remember, there is rebound, which is the problem-solving device for sin. When you sin, you rebound. Then there's the filling of the Holy Spirit, and that's the problem-solving device for our genetically formed sin nature that we have in us. And then there's the faith rest drill. That's the problem-solving device for the fiery darts of the wicked one, where the Bible tells us to pick up the shield of faith. And then there's grace orientation and, and then doctrinal orientation. And this leads us to the fifth problem-solving device, which is the personal sense of destiny. Then you begin to know why you're here and what it is God has for you. And then we get into the virtue love package of impersonal love for others and personal love for God. Personal love for God is your greatest motivator in your life because the Bible says, if you love me, you'll keep my mandates, and my mandates are not grievous. That's First John. Chapter 5, verse 3, if you love me, you'll keep my mandates, and my mandates are not hard. They're not grievous. So we have personal love for God. That's our motivational virtue, and then impersonal love for others. That's our functional virtue, how we deal with weirdos and jerks and obnoxious people. As Christians, we would have to deal with them every day. It might even be your boss or your neighbor, and you're supposed to love him. Remember what the Bible said about that? And so then we'd move into having plus H, which is sharing the happiness of God 
And then finally, problem-solving device number 10, occupation with Jesus Christ. We've been over these many times, and we'll go over them again. And if you don't have a list of them, let me know. I'll be glad to send you the book called Christian Problem-Solving. And they're all taught and detailed in the book. It's free of charge. Just let us know. Go to the website and email us from the website. That's rickhughesministries.org. rickhughesministries.org. Or you can do it through the, uh, you can do it through the post office. You can just send it to P.O. Box 100 in the city of Cropwell, Alabama. Cropwell. C-R-O-P-W-E-L-L. Cropwell, Alabama. And the zip code here in Cropwell is 35054. 35054. Don't send money. We're not asking you to send any money. I'm just saying if you'd like to have that book, let us know. We'll get it right out to you on Christian Problem Solving. Three weeks ago on this show, I started a series. And that series is called Divine Guidance. I recently had the privilege to teach this series in a church in Houston, Texas, and they did videotape it. So that's available also on DVD if you'd like to see it. But uh, we're going to continue to go through it as well and study a little bit more about divine guidance or, as Yogi Berra, the great catcher for the Yankees, said, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. Now, which way you take is important. Because good decisions open the door to better decisions in the future. And bad decisions, well, they limit future options. So we saw as our key verse in this study, Ephesians 5.17, where the Bible says, Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, that's a mandate from God. That's not a request. And the mandate is to learn what the will of the Lord is. Don't be dumb about it but understand it, and uh, it's critical that you do. It's critical because you're going to make decisions in your life, and they will impact you forever, and it's very easy to get out of the will of God. You know, Yogi Berra also said, if you don't know where you're going, you're probably going to wind up somewhere else. So with that humor in mind, which way do you go? When you have a decision to make, a critical decision to make in your life, Do you have the courage to make it? Do you have the convictions to make it? And are you willing to face the criticism? See, that's the issue. And a lot of times, people are not. The greatest decisions that you'll have to make, of course, is your decision to believe in Jesus Christ and receive him as your Savior. That is the single most significant decision you could ever make. And I can assure you, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance, that every person should believe, I'm saying here now, that every person should believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Every person, God's desire is for all men to come to know Christ. So that is the single most important decision in your life. I don't know if you remember last week, but we talked about Moses at the burning bush and how God talked to him from the bush and revealed his will by by audibly speaking out loud. And uh, I also talked about Moses' bad decision and how Moses committed murder of the Egyptian and how God can use you regardless of what you may have done in the past. So you might not want Moses in your church since he has a record. 
but God still used him. And God can use us, regardless of what our past is. If we have the confidence and the courage to follow his plan, he can use us. Proverbs 3 said, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Now that doesn't mean that you can commit murder like Moses. That's not what I'm saying. That was a sin. That was wrong, and he suffered greatly for what he did. But I'm saying, I don't care what kind of mistake you've made. If you will trust in the Lord and not try to lean to your own understanding, that's human viewpoint thinking. And if you will acknowledge him, in other words, go to the word and acknowledge his plan, he will direct your path. I uh, want to share with you something that I got recently. It's a letter from a young cadet student at West Point. I have a young friend there. And this West Point cadet is a senior. And here's what she said. She said. She graduates this month and heads off for engineer basic officer leadership course. She actually wound up at West Point on a volleyball scholarship, but eventually migrated over to the West Point triathlon team where she was a two-time All-American and one of only five women in the country that was invited to the Olympic Training Center to be developed for the 2016 Olympics in the triathlon. Recently, she wrote a small brief, small paper, on how God's grace prepared her to follow his plan in spite of her difficulties. Now, what were her difficulties? Well, being a female is hard enough at West Point, 134 pounds, but also the self-induced doubt and the self-pity over her choice almost destroyed her. Now, if you will notice a few of her points as I read through them, you're going to see some familiarities there because God has a sense of humor, and he always has a bigger... You don't think he has a sense of humor? Sure he does. Well, go look in the mirror. It made you, didn't he? He's got a sense of humor. God has a sense of humor, and his plans are always bigger and better plans than we realize. And here's what this young lady says. It was at Beast Barracks that I began to be discouraged, constantly being yelled at, never being able to do anything correctly, and being told that I was, in fact, the worst cadet that had ever come to West Point. caused me to question God about why I had to go through this. I could not focus, and I found myself wallowing in self-pity rather than thanking God for such an amazing opportunity. I did not trust God, she said. I did not believe he had my best interest in mind, or that ultimately his plan was best. I honestly felt my plan was better. You will never be able to follow the will of God if that's the way you think. You must be willing to turn your life over to the Holy Spirit's leadership and trust that he has your best interest in mind. God does not want to hurt you. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you the most phenomenal life you've ever seen. And I'm not talking about prosperity. That's not where the happiness lies. Some people are prosperous. Some are not. But the happiness lies, as Jesus our Lord said, in hearing God's word and keeping it. Luke 11:27 and 28. So she thought she had a better plan. Maybe you think you have a better plan. 
Maybe you didn't believe God had your best interests in mind, so you turned your back. You saw what the Bible said, and yet you debated whether or not you should do that because the Bible is a little old-fashioned. She goes on to say that cadet basic training was over, and she entered into her freshman year at West Point, and things got worse. She said my roommate loved fresh air while she studied, but I was freezing from the cold air blowing into our room. Throughout the whole first semester and that summer, I could only think about how miserable I was, and I began to doubt the plan of God for me being here. I wanted to leave West Point. After Christmas break during my sophomore year, my parents were sure that I would not go back. But it took until the second semester and the help of a friend for me to realize how much precious time I'd wasted. I needed to make a turn, a 180-degree turn in my attitude because, and I'll insert this here, her arrogance had to be broken. All she could think about was herself. All she could think about was a pity party. All she could think about was the raw deal she was getting and what maybe she should have done and how much better it would have been. And here's what she said. I needed to have a relaxed mental attitude and I needed to use the faith rest drill to overcome my doubts and to overcome the temptation that I had to quit and leave. She said, I discovered that God had a special and a unique plan for each of us, and it's our mission to carry out that plan. It might not coincide with our preconceived notions of what we think is best, but trust me when I say he knows what is best. Our future is secure, and we have nothing to lose, so it's best to fall in line and follow him. See, a lot of young people think, what am I going to do with my life? When I get out of school, what what should I study for? Should I go into medicine? Should I go into law? Should I go into engineering? Should I be a pharmacist? Should I go into veterinarian school? I mean, what do you do? There's all kind of questions. And I can assure you that God has it all mapped out. If you will follow his will. And if you can maintain a relaxed mental attitude. A relaxed mental attitude. Let me give you some principles on it. If you have a relaxed mental attitude, first of all, it indicates that you've got a sense of humor. If you don't have a sense of humor, when all the stuff like that happens, then you take it all personal, you get subjective, and you cannot laugh it off. The laughter of Job 5, verses 17 through 22, is expressing an RMA. You need to read that passage, Job 5, 17 through 22. And you can see a relaxed mental attitude in action. I don't have time to read it. We've got a lot to cover today. But I want you to read it. Job 5, 17 through 22. Here's something else. You cannot use impersonal love, which is one of your problem-solving devices, if you don't have an RMA. That means you've got to love people that you don't like. And you, you just can't do it if you don't have a relaxed mental attitude. Because you're going to be uptight all the time. Principle here. Humility is a system of thinking. And when you think under humility, you're not hypersensitive. If you cup humility with an RMA, COVID with an RMA, relaxed mental attitude, then you become spiritually self-sustaining. 
And an RMA does not feel threatened. It doesn't have self-pity. An RMA, a relaxed mental attitude. How do you get it? You get it, number one, by the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's problem-solving device. Number two, and you get it by orientation to the Word of God. It's problem-solving device. Number six, doctrinal orientation. Without the filling of the Holy Spirit and without the Word of God as your guide, you can't have an RMA. A relaxed mental attitude means you completely trust the Lord. You're completely relaxed about what he wants you to do. And you can even laugh at the hardships when they come. You know, what's interesting is that a wife with a relaxed mental attitude is seen in Proverbs chapter 31. And you can read about her. Proverbs 31. She's totally relaxed. She has the ability to laugh at whatever comes her way. That's a magnificent woman. If you're married to a woman that that loves you and laughs with you, you're a very fortunate man. People with an RMA can be creative thinkers. That's interesting. They can think outside the box because they're not constrained by their pity and their self-centeredness. Here's another principle. When tranquility and contentment become a major part of your life, become a major part of your life, then you can no longer shock yourself or cause yourself to react. Because you will have objectivity, you will have a relaxed mental attitude, and you will have less of a tendency to be disturbed by the outside pressures that come into your life. So it means that relaxed mental attitude, two characteristics of it are tranquility and contentment. But if you feel inferior, then that's a trait of arrogance. It'll go away when you develop that RMA. But feeling inferior leads to self-pity. So, as a mature believer, using the faith rest drill, having the relaxed mental attitude, having a sense of humor, then I don't care who you run into, I don't care what they do to you, they can't hurt you and they can't discourage you since you do not go to the garden of subjectivity and dig up your self-pity. You have an RMA, you're mature, You're using the faith rest drill. You have tranquility and contentment. That's exactly what this young lady at West Point had to learn. She had to come to that place in her life. And she has graduated. She's moving on in her career as a military officer today. And I salute her for that. Now, here's three questions I want to ask you. If you're going to let God lead you, how exactly does he do it? This is called the doctrine of divine guidance, and it's the mechanics of how God leads you. The second question is, where will he lead me? Well, I can tell you this. He's not going to take you where you're useless. He will take you where you can be best used, where you can use your spiritual gift that he gave you at salvation. And when will he lead me to this place? Well, when you're content, because you cannot have the capacity to love and serve without contentment first. But if you let him lead you, if you follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, then you can have peace and happiness like you've never known. You can live a life that has no regrets, 
You can live a life that doesn't second-guess itself. You can live a life not lying to yourself to cover up mistakes and failures. Imagine that, a life with no lies, a life that's content. That sounds like Paul in Philippians 4, 4.11. Not that I speak in regards of need, Paul said, for I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound I, everywhere and in all things. I've learned to be full and to be hungry, to to abound and to suffer need. And here's the kicker. This is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is an attitude of confidence. That is an attitude of contentment. And that is what happens when you grow to be a mature believer. You have that confidence and that contentment that allows you to trust God in every situation. Just think about that. What would your life be like if you had an abundance of confidence and contentment? No more trusting people or circumstances to make you happy. No more worrying about the future in regards to politics or finances or health or any subject that might affect your future. You simply align your life with his will and abort your own plans and adapt to the circumstances that God leads you into. Okay? Now, If we're going to study divine guidance, here's something you need to know. God has three wills in regards to you. Three wills, not not will like you read someone's will, but three desires for you. He has a directive will for you. He has a permissive will for you. And he has an overruling will for you. So what's the directive will of God? Well, first of all, you have to be in fellowship to follow the directive will of God. That means you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't follow the directive will of God if you have unconfessed sin in your life, if you're out of fellowship, if you're in a backslidden or a reversionistic condition. It's not going to work. You see, the directive will of God is lived while you're in fellowship with God while you're filled with the Holy Spirit, while you're growing in grace. And you can see the three things he wants you to know. There is, first of all, the geographical will of God. And if we're talking about his direct will, it has three principles to it. It's a place that he wants you to be. That's the geographical will of God. And then there's something that he wants you to think. That's the viewpoint will of God. And then there is something he wants you to do. That's the operational will of God. So geographically, one of the greatest decisions in your life is where do I belong? Where do I want to live? Where can I best be used? And I can tell you this. I have known many, many people who have moved from cities to another city so that they could get face-to-face teaching of the word of God. They have made decisions to pick up and move and go and take their family where there's a solid, sound church that's teaching the Word of God. Geographically, that's exactly what God wants you to do. He wants you to find your right pastor. He wants you to be under that pastor. And today you might not have to move. You 
may be able to watch by video or internet or TV or whatever. But there is a place God wants you to be. And that place, that geographical will of God, is where you can best serve him. And it's also, what does he want you to think? Well, the Bible says stop thinking of yourself in terms of arrogance in Romans 12.3, but think in terms of humility as God has assigned to each one of us a standard of thinking from his word. What God wants you to think is humility and to acquire the mind of Christ. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you. It was also in Christ Jesus. He wants you to think exactly like his son thought. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 2.16, the Bible is called the mind of Christ. You learn what's in the Bible. You think like Christ thought. And you will make decisions like he did. And you will glorify God to the maximum. If you don't, you may fall under the permissive will of God. Not the directive will, but the permissive will. What is that? Well, this means that when you're in carnality, when you're out of fellowship with God, when you have unconfessed sin in your life, you're not growing spiritually, and your own human volition is directing your path, not the word of God, then he will allow you to go down dead-end streets. He will allow you to waste time. Because you're so hard-headed, that's the only way you can learn. You rationalize what you want to do. Thus, the will of God is suppressed in your life by your own emotion, by your own rationalization. And you waste time. You married the wrong person. You went to the wrong place. You took the wrong degree, whatever. But you look back and you say, I wish I'd have never done that. It's because you never considered God's plan for your life. So we have the directive will of God, the permissive will of God, and then the overruling will of God. And this is where Jesus Christ controls history. And sometimes God has to step in and stop you from hurting other people or stop you from doing something that's going to be so disastrous that it would have a negative effect even on your nation. So God can overrule your bad decisions if he wants to. He can step in and stop it, and often does. So, here's what I'm saying. If you don't understand this doctrine of divine guidance, it's like walking through the forest at night, and you don't even have a compass or a flashlight. You're just not going to get to the other side. And life is like that. You need a light to guide you, and that's Jesus Christ. You need a compass to know the way, and that's the Holy Spirit, your mentor. And with those two things, you can follow the will of God. Please listen. If you ever hope to discover God's will for your life, you must understand that in the short term, he wants you to grow up and stay in fellowship with him. That is absolutely critical. There's so much more to say about this. This is about 28 minutes of it today. But if you'll come back next week, we'll continue our study on divine guidance, and hopefully you'll get some insight from it. This is Rick Hughes, host of The Flotline, heard every Sunday right here on this radio station. And until next week, goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Flotline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 
or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.